It is so good to see you this morning. I want to say thank you to uh, Pastor Anna and Pastor Kirk giving us an opportunity to share. And uh, it's exciting to be here. And I enjoyed uh, hearing uh, Brian uh, last Sunday through the podcast. And so if you haven't seen our podcast, you might want to go ahead and click on the website and then go ahead and, uh, and subscribe to those podcasts. But here today, my assigned passage is found in the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of John uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 30. So if you would like to go ahead and turn to your Bibles, you may do so. And so I have been uh, studying over this passage and looking over this passage, and there's just some really great things that, um, that need to know that has happened beforehand. And also as he is sharing um, and as he is talking and what he's talking about, and ultimately what he's talking about is spiritual freedom. All in favor of spiritual freedom, say amen. amen. Ooh, good. Now, I like that because we have been born, born again for the purpose of being free so that you might be free indeed. And so there's all kinds of things in this passage that it's going to bring up. But one of the things that I want us to see in this passage this morning is that Jesus is the one who sets you free. We have a discussion here, and then in John, as he's trying to explain uh, the Gospel of John, he's trying to explain, he's trying to marry a couple of different ideas, and so it's important that you understand some of these ideas so that when we get to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 30, is going to start off with, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Well, what was he saying? Well, throughout his lifely ministry, John shows that there was a Jewish expectation that the Messiah would in some ways live out the actual miracles of Moses and also fulfill the law. So what we see here in the Gospel of John are some statements that Jesus is going to make. They're called the I am statements. Any of you all know about the I am statements? What's one of your favorite I am statements? Let me hear. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's good. Well, who else? I'm sorry? The Good Shepherd. Good. All right. I am the bread of life. Right. Uh, Brian shared with us this past Sunday, he shared the what? I am, I am living, I'm the, I am, yeah, I am living water. So when you think about these statements, all of these statements are integral to who Jesus is. But also, did you know that the dedications, the feasts, the temple, all of these are very important because Jesus is going to fulfill all of these things. And so John is going to show this through his gospel, and he's going to make the statement that Jesus is the complete fulfillment of this. This is really kind of interesting because when we look through these and we begin to ask the question, why did Jesus turn water into wine? Why is this first miracle that he does, why is this so important? Well, it's important because it says this miracle helped his few disciples believe. They placed their faith and trust in him. Now, you go back. What was the first miracle Moses performed in Egypt? I'll give you one guess. He turned water into blood. It's very interesting. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. But it was one of the first miracles that the people of Israel said, whoa, this guy's got it. Do you remember the first time Moses came to the people of Israel and said, I'm here to set you free. Do you remember what their response was? Like what you, when you killed that Israelite? Is that what you're talking about? So here... The disciples first believe in Jesus when he turns the water into wine. 
then the healing of the official's son, and then the healing at the pool of Bethesda. Well, when we start talking about all these different things that happen, understand is that what John is trying to help us to understand, and Jesus is trying to help the Jews believe, he has been sent by the Father. And he's a fulfillment of all these things. So when he makes these I am statements, I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection of life. Do you realize when he's making these statements? He's making these statements many times at the feasts and the festivals that are connected to who he is. So when Brian talked about that, I, uh, that he is the living water, it was actually the first part of the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's where this passage is. He, Jesus is in the midst of the Feast of the Tabernacles, and also right before this, he is going to make a statement, I am the light of the world. That corresponds to the feast or the celebration or the lighting of the temple. So when we start taking a look at this passage, understand is that each time he's saying these things, every time he's healing somebody, it's going to help them to understand that he is the fulfillment of these things. So now, understand is that when he's a fulfillment of, he's, a, he's literally the fulfillment and the requirement of the law of Moses. Everything in the law of Moses is fulfilled by Jesus Christ. That means we don't have to fulfill the law of Moses for the purpose of salvation. Jesus did that. Also to understand is that Jesus satisfies the penalty for all because we've broken it, but because of his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, he is the payment for our sins and therefore is necessary for us to place faith in and to believe in him that we may be spiritually set free. This is the basis of the gospel. And he is going to begin talking about that because many are coming to believe, yes, he's the Messiah. Yes, we believe. But he's going to make a statement that's, that's for some folks is hard to understand. But let's go ahead and take a look at the passage. We take a look here in John chapter 8, starting in verse 30. Would you please stand with me as we stand in honor of God in his word? As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But then they said, well, we're Abraham's descendants. We have never been enslaved by anyone. How can you say to us, you would be set free? And Jesus said to them and replied, if you have commit sin, you are a slave to sin. A slave is not a member of the household, does not remain forever. However, the son remains forever. So, if the Son sets you free, you really will be free indeed. God, as we come before you today, that we would understand that we can really be free indeed. We can be set free because of your word, because of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. 
I'm going to ask some questions of these passages, and I want us to, to begin to look at some of these things because they're important passages. Here are some Jewish believers who they've come to say, okay, Jesus is the Messiah. But one thing we have to understand, according to this passage, if you truly are my disciple, what is Jesus going to say? What do you have to do? Is it just that you have to believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Is that the only thing you have to do? Everybody go like this. No. Let me ask you, dude, do you think Satan believes Jesus is, is, is the chosen one? Do you think he believes that? Everybody go like this. Yes. <laughs> He's doing everything he can. He is doing everything he can to stop him. And so if the, if the devil believes, what's the difference between belief, his belief, and the belief of someone who is saved? It says it right here in the passage. So according to this passage, what does this passage say? For though if you truly are my disciple, what is it that's going to happen? You're going to do what? What does it say? You're going to continue, continue, continue in my word. See, this is a very powerful statement. Have you ever asked the question before? You know, I had this experience when I was young. Or something happened to me when I was younger. But you know, <laughs> I keep messing up. I keep sinning. I keep doing things that I know I shouldn't be doing. God, how do I know? According to scriptures, the scriptures teach us that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that. One of the truths that we find in this passage is the scriptures say, you truly are my disciples if you continue in my word. But this is powerful. Because if you continue in his words, his statements, his I am statements, I am the bread of life. If you realize what that means, I am the light of the world. If you're in darkness, follow him. I am the resurrection and the life. In the middle of the Feast of Dedication, this dedication and this festival was about coming up from the dead. And guess what Jesus does? He raises Lazarus from the dead. Woo! Light bulbs. <laughs> okay, this guy has the power to raise people from the dead. That's interesting. You know the, the, the healing of the blind man? Jesus chose to heal the blind man on the Sabbath. Do you think he could have done it the next day? Yeah, he could have, held, he could have healed the blind man the next day. Could he have healed the man before that day? Yeah, he could have healed the man before that day. But it brings up this conversation about Jesus and about him healing on the Sabbath. And so what does he say to them? He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the one who has fulfilled the Sabbath and the Passover and the festival of booze. This happens to be the festival of booze or the festival of tabernacles. This is a pretty important festival for the people in Israel. But what he's saying to them is, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing these festivals to understand I am the fulfillment of these things. If you continue in my word, you will what? Know the truth. And if you know the truth, what's going to happen? It'll set you free. Again, how many want to be free? Woo. Okay. I don't know about you, but there seems to be a progression here. 
If you believe, that's a great start. That's a really good start, but it can't stop there. What does it have to continue to? Well, if you really are my disciples, you will continue in my word. In other words, continue in the words that he has said. Continue in the word. Continue experiencing the word because this I will know the truth is actually about experiential knowledge. It's the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge and life knowledge. I'm going to take God's word and I'm going to take the things that God teaches me in the word and I'm going to apply it to my life. And then when I apply it to my life, I will begin to experience him. And I will begin to experience his freedom. And I will begin to experience his power. And I'll begin to experience all that God has for me and what God has for you. But you have to understand, we have to understand, is that we have to apply what we've learned. One of my favorite stories, you've probably heard this before. But there was a teacher who was going for a job interview. And so, actually a couple different teachers. And there's this one teacher who had five years of experience. And she thought, well, I don't know if I can get this job, but... I do have five years of experience. There's another teacher who had 20 years of experience. 20 years of experience. And she was thinking, well, I will definitely get this job because I've had 20 years of experience. And so all of a sudden they say, who has the job? It was the person who had the five years of experience. The person who had 20 years of experience. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. I have 20 years of experience. She only has five. And the person hiring says, I'm sorry. What she has is true five years experience. What you have is one year of experience 20 times. There's a difference. You've failed to achieve what you needed to achieve each year in order for you to mature and grow in mastery as being a teacher. While this other person, they have continued to grow. It's sort of like this passage. Jesus is saying, if you want to be set free, you will know the truth, not just in the head, but in the heart, because you've applied it. Let's take a personal example. I'm going to be a little bit transparent. I hope that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. (laughs) I would hate to be the only one uncomfortable here. (laughs) One of my failings is I avoid conflict. Anybody here avoid conflict? Okay, good. And the rest of y'all just go ahead and look at your phones or whatever you want to do. (laughs) But this is what I find. Is that when somebody offends me, I will sometimes look over it. Then when somebody offends me again, I will look over it again. And then it starts to build up inside of me. And begins to eat at me. And so then I begin to live in a form of bondage. And it's a bondage and a prison that I create. Because the scriptures teach me on how to deal with that. Would anybody have any advice on a scripture verse that you might could share with me to help me when I try to avoid conflict? Is there a passage that might help me with that? Speak the truth. Oh, I hate that one. Gosh. (laughs) Speak the truth in love. Okay. That's good. 
Thank you. Is there any other passages that might speak uh, to my concern? Yes. I hate that one too. (laughs) Matthew 18. So the scripture tells me how to deal with it. But if I choose not to do that, what could happen in my heart? What could happen in my heart is bitterness may grow. Pain may grow. And then I don't deal with it until something happens at home and I blow up at home. Is it fair that I blow up my family at home because something happened to me at work? Is that fair? No. What would be the better thing to do? It would be to apply God's word so that if you know the truth experientially, it will set you free and it may set your family free. I don't want to call out your sin here. You know what it is. But ultimately what Jesus is saying, what he is saying is that if you truly are my disciples, you're going to continue in it, and it's going to make such a difference in our life, it is going to set you free. Now, who's in favor of being free? Say amen. Amen. Then you know what to do. Stop being in first grade. It's time to get into second grade. And I'm speaking to myself. Because I had a kindergarten teacher. Maybe it was second grade. Whenever you start pointing at somebody, guess what happens? You got three fingers pointing right back at you. So before we start judging one another, before we start looking at one another, please, 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 let's look at ourselves and begin to apply God's word that we may know it experientially so that we can be set free and then we got something to talk about. Not something about, oh, yes, you can be set free. I'm not set free, but you can be set free because God wants us all to be set free. Now, we're going to the next part of this passage. It's because the Jews were starting not to understand what Jesus was saying. So what are you talking about being set free? We are Abraham's descendants. We are Abraham's descendants here. We have never been enslaved to anyone. Never. So how is it you can say you would be set free? All right, let's take a little bit of a diagnosis here of what's going on in their hearts. What can we learn spiritually from their statement that they are Abraham's descendants? What can we learn? What are they depending on? Oh, I can stay here forever. (laughs) Oh, their ancestry. Yes. I'm a Jew. I'm going to go to heaven because of my father Abraham. I've talked to people before and they say, and I asked them, I said, are, 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 um, are, one day when you die, are, are you going to go to heaven? And they will, will say, well, Yes. And there's going to be a few answers from that. Give me some of the answers that people will give if you ask them they're going to be going to heaven. Ancestry is one. What would be another one? I'm sorry? Good person. All of you who think you're good people, raise your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you thought it was a trick question, didn't you? (laughs) Well, it depends on who you compare yourself to. If you compare to the guy that 
that killed somebody last week, I'm a really good person. But if I compare myself to Jesus, which is who you and I are going to be compared to when we face God, anybody better than Jesus? How many of you are as good as Jesus? Raise your hand for salvation purposes. If you're a believer in Jesus, your hand should be raised because the blood of Jesus has cleansed you and you have met the requirements of the law. Woo, yes, all right. <laughs> so, therefore, being good, though, just good, not Jesus, just good, is not good enough. How about this? Well, I was baptized back when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you got wet. It's because that's important. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like I could ask you, somebody ask you, Steve, what about your truck? Oh, my truck is really, really clean. I took it to the car wash just the other day. It's still a bucket of rust. It really is. The car wash doesn't change the rust. It's got a rust problem. You and I have a rust problem. And guess what? Baptism isn't going to solve that. Only Jesus is going to solve that. Please understand, just because you've been baptized. Oh, and I like this one. Well, hey, I've been a member here for a long time. <laughs> yes, when they open up the church rolls, it says the Lamb's Book of Life just on that side. And this is your name. I'm sorry. Just because you have your name on a membership roll does not mean you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I heard one guy say one time, are you so narrow-minded that you think all Baptists are going to heaven? The man said, I'm so narrow-minded, I think there are some Baptists aren't going to heaven. <laughs> it does not make any difference if you are Baptist or Methodist or whatever it is that you want to claim. The question is, do you know Jesus? Please. So this morning, as we think about what is being said, <laughs> I'm Abraham's descendants. Jesus is going to cut that at the very core, and that's his response. This response may not make sense at first sight, but when you look at Jesus' response, understand his response. He is cutting them and saying, being a descendant of Abraham is ineffectual for you to be a believer and a disciple. So you can't depend on everything else. There's only one that you can depend on, and that is the Son who will set you free, and you really will be free. Ooh. Jesus makes this statement, as he says here in this passage. He says, if you commit sin, you will be a slave to sin. And so far, if you're going to be a slave to sin, understand that the Son... And the slave, you'll never, be, you'll never be a part of the household forever. But the son is a part of the household forever. So if you're set free by the son, you will be free indeed. Now, what is that going to say to the man or to the woman who says, well, because I'm an Abraham's descendant of Abraham. Now, who is Abraham? Abraham is the father of faith. Many of the Israelites 
claimed to be a descendant of Abraham that made them Jewish, and it made them, well, because of association, it made them people of faith. And so just being a descendant, though, Jesus brings up this little point of slavery. Now, understand that as he states this, he will begin to show them the error of their thinking. Because he is going to make this statement about being a slave, and then he will not be a part of the house forever, but the son will be. Do you remember back in the time of Abraham, Abraham and Sarah are going to have a child. Who was their first child? Ishmael. Ishmael was a descendant of Abraham. But if you remember in the story, Sarah and Abraham got a little bit, I don't know, antsy, being that they were in the 80s, being that they were expecting a son. Sarah was concerned. She had not provided a son. And so she takes her slave and says, Abraham, please sleep with my slave so that at least you will have an heir. Ishmael is born. Then who's born after that? Hmm? Isaac. So now you have Isaac born of Abraham and Sarah, and you have Ishmael born of Hagar. Where is Ishmael today? Is he a descendant of Abraham? Everybody go like this. Yeah. But is he considered to be a person of faith? No. He was set free, he and Hagar, by Abraham's word to set them free, and thereby they were free, but they did not remain in the house forever. And so now Jesus is saying to the descendants of Abraham, just because you think you're descendants of Abraham does not mean you'll be in the house forever. But, if you trust in the Son, meaning Him, He knows the truth. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And He has the power to truly set you free. I don't know what's going on in your life. I know what's going on in my life. I know there are some things in my life. Not only does the gospel save us in the purpose of salvation, but the gospel also sanctifies us and helps us to grow in our life to become, sure, to become mature adults in the faith. It's time for us to apply God's word to our lives that we may not know the word, but know the word. To know the word, experience the word, to trust the word, to apply the word to our life, to be in the word, because that word will set you free, and you will be free indeed. I want to close off with this morning another example of Jesus' fulfillment of the Old Testament. It's not too far where they're going to um, experience the Passover. 
And I don't know if you know anything about the Passover or not, but it's a part of another series of festivals. But as a part of Passover, there is something that the families did. One of the things that families did was that they would go to their house. And it was the part of a festival called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. And in the Festival of Unleavened Bread, what they would do is they would go through the house. Maybe this is where we get spring cleaning from. I don't know. But they go through the house and they cleanse their whole house from what? Yeast. Leavening. That which soured. And so it was the cleansing of this process to remove from the house a remembrance of how we're supposed to live, the Jew, and how they're supposed to live. That their house was supposed to be free from impurities. That their house was supposed to be a place that honored God. (laughs) If you look in John chapter 2, there's a very interesting phrase. And at about Passover, this is the first time that Jesus in his ministry years comes into Jerusalem and he comes in and he cleanses the temple. He comes in, he takes the money changers' tables and he flips them over. And he takes a whips and he uses an actual whip in the first cleansing. Do you know that he did this twice? He did it in the first Passover in his messianic journey, but also in the third, right before, or, or right before his crucifixion. But do you see what he's saying here? What was it said about him? It was said about him, hey, why do you have the authority to do that? And it is said, I will have zeal for the house of my father. And so he was coming in to cleanse the temple. By what authority do you have? He said, I'm going to show you a sign. This is a sign. I'm not going to give you a sign now. But the sign is that when you lift me up, well, I'm sorry, that was another one. (laughs) Remember when Moses lifted up the snake and everybody was healed because they looked upon the snake? Guess that who was the picture of that? Jesus as he was lifted up on the cross. So he said, this temple will die and be raised up in three days. And he said, I am that temple. And he was talking about his resurrection. (sighs) Who's the temple today? Is Jesus the temple today? Who's the temple today? If, If you are a temple today, raise your hand. Maybe what we need to do is allow the Word of God to so work in our hearts as to cleanse us. As we prepare for life, as we prepare to be the fulfillment in His hands and feet on this earth, to be what He has called us to be, but also that when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, how about this? We pray, Jesus, in me as it is in you.
in me as it is in you. When we think, as we get ready, for, as we come up to Easter, Passover, as we participate in the Lord's Supper, as we, as we think about these different things that we do, it is by no coincidence that right before the people of Egypt left, before, just right after, or right before, the death angel passed over the homes. And the firstborn was not killed if what? They had taken blood and put it on this cross piece over the door, the mantle. And so to understand that when we come through and begin celebrating the cross of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, that his blood covered the mantle, that wood beam that he was nailed to. He is the fulfillment of all the festivals. He is the fulfillment of the Father that sent him to be the payment for your sin and mine and that we may be free, live free, and be free indeed. Would you pray with me, please? As you begin to pray, I want to read you a passage of Scripture. And this passage has to do with but Jesus, it's Isaiah chapter 61. And what his desire was, was to, to set people free. And as you begin to think about, and the band can come up if you will. As you think about what Jesus was wanting to do, the Spirit of the Lord of God is on me. This is, of course, the Messiah passage in the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord of God is, is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The poor is anyone that is still in captivity at some point in life, the some point of their life. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and there are so many that are brokenhearted. And broken hearts come so many times from sin. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn. This morning as we come hopefully to a point of allowing the Spirit to speak to our hearts is to ask, God, is there any place that you want to set me free? Is there any prison that I have set and I'm captive of? But also, is there anyone here who needs to know Jesus as Savior to be set free from sin? Because 
no matter what you depend on other than Jesus, none of that can set you free from sin. You will always be captive of sin. So this morning, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. What do you need to do today to help you know the truth so that the truth will set you free? So this morning, I invite you, maybe it's to, to come forward and pray, or we invite you to participate in the Lord's Supper. We invite you to participate however the Lord is leading you to participate. But at least allow the Spirit to speak to your heart. Where would he want to set you free?